0: five seconds left great oh my gosh five four three i'm really
1: good you really shook me there
0: oh <laughs> don't be shook or shaken shook. hey welcome <laughs> shook <laughs> would be the correct term shook welcome to the <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the outlaw radio show my name is zach adams so glad you're joining us tonight Uh, I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. You can learn more about the church by going to calvary316.com. If you're local, visit us. Our Sunday service is at 1030. If you're not local but looking for a church, you can attend online. Uh, Once again, 1030 Sunday mornings. Uh, You can watch on two different platforms, our live stream. Our YouTube channel is calvary316.live. It's a quick link to get to it. Or you can go to facebook.com slash calvary316. We also stream on Facebook. You can get all that information just from the church website, learn more about the church as well, our teaching archive, etc. By just going to calvary316.tv.com.net.org. We own all of them. Very easy to find. Um, I am the husband of a beautiful Jessica Adams. I have outpunted my coverage, the father of three, Quincy, Theo, and Mabel. And I'm joined in studio by my friend, my brother, uh, Dick Dastardly, the man that needs no introduction. Creighton Vaughn, how you doing, brother? Hello, I am Creighton, and I'm currently
1: looking for assistant pastorship positions oh at goodness. small churches, oh no, that's, uh, preferably that's how you're in going? Winder or Monroe. That's where uh, you're going.
0: Oh, my goodness gracious. I hit the wrong button for that transition, but it's you fine. You know what? I was going to say something nice, and you know what? In spite of that, I'm going to still do it because I'm a gracious person. Uh huh. I just want the audience to know, seriously, um, Outlaw Radio uh, would not exist. This podcast would not exist. The live stream would not exist. Oh, my goodness. So much at at Calvary 316 uh, would not exist if not for uh, the faithful service and love and dedication of Creighton Vaughn. Creighton. Um, again, you, you know, you, you're the kind of the man behind the scenes, the man behind the curtain. You like it that way. You prefer it that way. Anytime I tell you to get behind the pulpit, you freak out. Just uh, a little. You don't want to do it. You do it because you're 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 a soldier, and I appreciate it. But uh, again, man, nothing with Outlaw Radio. So little about. I mean, I mean, you you are the man behind the curtain. You make so much of this work. And uh, today, you're up at the church serving faithfully. You open the building with Justin. You unlock it. You get everything booted up again. um, You know, people look at, uh, you know, Calvary 316. It's Pastor Zach doing something. No, 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 no. Um, I'm just the man out front. Uh, Creighton Vaughn plays a huge, huge, huge role among others, uh, many others. But I just, you, you deserve a little accolade, a little attention so, uh, flip over to e. I know you're, well, you're embarrassed. Well, I appreciate it, Zach. You're uh, embarrassed a little Hello, way. I'm Creighton. I'm no longer looking for a <laughs>
1: assistant <laughs> pastorship position. <laughs> hey, everyone. How's it I, going? I've been reminded um, of my calling.
0: Thanks. We Thanks. do have a
1: early comment. Um, oh. Kelly thinks your hair
0: looks hip. Who? Who said this? Kelly. Hip. Oh. She said hip. Hip. Specifically. It, I think it's the shirt. I think the shirt, the uh, cream brûlée. Uh, I don't Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate it. <laughs> so, Creighton, uh, explain how this show works. Like, what makes it unique? What makes it special? What makes it different? Why people should watch it? Why, if they don't watch it, they should listen to it? Why should people care about Outlaw radio Radio? That's a lot. I'm putting it on you.
1: All right. Um, well, it's a very cool show. We have a bunch of cool cats in here who are talking about the Bible and things associated with the Bible. Um, basically, the way it works is... Um, the first part of the episode will be a rant that Zach has about something <laughs> asinine. Um, and then after that, we get, into a, <laughs> <Spirit-driven>. <laughs> we get into a Bible study um, that is brought here by me. I mean, Zach doesn't know what it's going to be. The guys unscripted. that will introduce it. In second. Yeah, it's unscripted. They don't know what we're talking about. I introduce a topic um, and then Zach talks about it and we discuss some stuff. Um, usually we're on the same page. It's really fun when we're not. Um, and yeah, so we discuss it. There are comment sections on both YouTube and Facebook that I am currently keeping an eye on. Um, so if you have any questions or comments, um, or if you happen to be one of Zach's brothers and thinks that that's <laughs> not his best shirt, um, uh, oh, you can did say you, that you get a in comment? the comments.
0: Yes, that would be Mac Adams. Says Mac, that is not your best shirt. Mac's watching, Mac listens. My, my brother <laughs> Mac, my youngest brother, is a, he's a podcast nut. He, he listens to Good Grief. He listens to like... Any sports podcast that exists. I can believe that. But he tries; he's trying to supplement that with, you know, I guess this. <laughs> but the fact he's watching Nick, my other brother, now he watches from time to time. But Mac, and he doesn't like my shirt. Just tell him I need, a, I need more Augusta gear, you know? All right. Zach needs more Augusta gear. There you go. So let me ask you a question, Creighton. So the way the show works, you introduce a topic... Um, it's my job to then turn that topic into a Bible study. Um, I'm joined by friends who I'll introduce in just a moment that, that are in studio to help me do that. But I ask you, let me ask you a question. Um, how exactly do you come up with uh, the topic? Because again, I have no idea what it is. And, and I do know that sometimes people will send you a topic and you can explain how that, how that can work. But how do you like from a week to week basis, come up with, you know, what your what, what, you know, what the topic is. Um, so a,
1: like you said, we have people who will either comment or email me at crate and Vaughn at gmail.com, um, with questions of their own or topics that they'd like to, to see us discuss. Um, but when I am coming up with a topic of my own, it's usually, um, something that pops into my head, usually on a Monday or Tuesday when I am or Wednesday, be real. Yeah. Or Wednesday. Um, Wednesday, where, like six
0: o'clock at night. <laughs>
1: And it's usually I am I'm either a study I'm watching or I really like um, a specific area of YouTube that they call discernment discernment ministry where they talk about different things happening in the church. And they I didn't discuss know this. It. What? Yeah, it's a I I really like. Is We've it a Reddit it. thing? No, this is like there are a few different YouTubers. Um, Mike Winger is one that I really like. There's another one called Fight for Truth. Um, Be careful! YouTube we don't want to give
0: plugs to people. You know, we don't. You know.
1: I'm comfortable with those two specifically, okay. but. You know, Andrew Tate. Yeah, exactly. Andrew Tate and a bunch of Christian guys that I like. Right. But yeah, they talk right. about things, Andrew Tate, Alex um, Jones. So it's some of the stuff that we talk about here, like with the the Rob Bell stuff, that would fall under discernment. Ministry. Okay, okay, stuff I like, got gotcha. you. This is why what they're saying is wrong. This is what's right. That kind of area. So you're basically so like asking
0: you're you're bringing up topics of things that you find interesting. Yeah, exactly. So it just it's filtered through your eccentric view of the world.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then sometimes I like to throw out things where it's like, hey, this is a really complicated topic that doesn't have a perfect answer. I'd like to just throw it at Zach and find out what happens. But
0: you love having listeners send you ideas. Yeah, it means I have less work to do. <laughs> well, <laughs> I
2: mean, like you great. put a lot
0: of work into it to begin with. Yes. Again, your email address just for the audience that might be listening or watching. It is CreightonVaughn at
1: gmail.com. Uh, That's spelled C-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N-V-A-U-G-H-N at gmail.com. I'll put that in the comments. If
0: you're you're listening on the podcast uh, and you're in the car, just stop wherever you are and write down (laughs) that email address to make it just awkward for everybody else. Um, No, I I appreciate it. I think that that's cool. And just it gets filtered through your view of the world. I should also add that the, the show is a podcast. Originally, it was a radio show, hence Outlaw Radio and the branding. It has morphed into a podcast because, again, who listens to radio? Nobody. Um, so it's a podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, right? Anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, you can basically find our show. Yes. Again, search Outlaw Radio. Easy to find.
1: Yes, um, and also if you're using one of the smaller podcast apps, um, most of them pull from Apple's podcast library. Um, but if you are on one of the smaller apps and you're not seeing us, let me know and I'll figure out how to
0: get us on there. Oh, that's great. Now that's very helpful. And again, Creighton Vaughn at gmail.com. Uh, but so it's a podcast, but we thought it'd be fun to record the podcast in a live stream. And so this is Wednesday nights, eight o'clock. Again, if you're listening, check us out Wednesday nights, eight o'clock. Um, our uh, outlaw radio. Live is the easy link to get to our YouTube channel. And then, uh, the radio Outlaw is on Facebook. Easy, easy yep. to find. Well, we're joined in studio by three of my brothers, uh, good friends, uh, Mr. Kyle Parkin, deal daddy, Derek, spice daddy. Kyle, I don't think you have a nickname. I just think we're just going to go Kyle Parkin. I
2: think it's just nothing. Nothing's <laughs> happened. I, I, I will
0: say you're looking high and tight looking, looking clean. You got a haircut.
2: Yeah. I've thought about making a joke. Seeing if anybody recognized me with the finally shaving and in the haircut. <laughs> yeah.
0: But. You're looking good, man. I appreciate nice, that. See. Yeah. Right on. Uh, uh deal daddy always always bringing the branding yep. i mean i mean have to we might call you brandy daddy.
3: brandy dad brandy daddy
0: that <laughs> i mean deal daddy does have a certain yeah.
1: salesmanship that's true yeah it fits, deal it
0: fits within the deal daddy <laughs> <laughs> brand I, i'm with you how you doing man you having a good week yeah it's been good right cool. on right on and spice daddy aka justin your real name god-given name
4: you know living the dream Eating hot sauce with all my meals. Yes. <laughs> Doing
0: your thing. Been, all right. Yeah. I don't want to waste any time. You know, one of the things I think we need to get better at is just jo- diving into whatever it is. So, Creighton, I'm not ranting. If I rant, it'll be at the end when we're trying to kill time. So, Yeah, because we so often have to kill time. It's to you, it's, <laughs> it's to you, brother. What are we talking about tonight?
1: All right. So, Do I tonight, need my Bible? Do yes, I need, you are going tonight. to need your Bible. Um, we are going to be in acts uh let me pull it up i believe it's Acts 8 fellas yes. with me y'all turn to it's it going 8. to be Acts chapter eight we're going to start 8. in verse nine um and it basically goes anymore. to verse 25 um and you you might want to <laughs> which by the way if, you, if you're an those. andy
0: stanley fan you don't need your bible ever anymore it's not even god's word what does that even wait does that he say that are That's we, a whole other topic for another day. Like I'm not going to yeah. go on a rant. Let's leave that there. All right. So, but for those of you that switched to me, all right. <laughs> for those of you who know, you know what I'm talking about. There you go. <laughs> all right. So, uh,
1: Acts eight chapter or Acts chapter eight verse nine, going to twenty-five. It is Simon the
0: sorcerer. Okay. So what's the question? I, I'll read it in a minute. But what's what's kind of the the, the, the angle here? What what are we looking at? Well, my just, question is just a Bible story we're dealing
1: with or Yeah, more or less. Um I would like to specifically point out It's a good story um, for sure. An interesting thing. Okay. Uh it is in verses fifteen and sixteen, when they're talking about how uh Peter and John come up and okay. the Holy Spirit had not fallen on the new converts there. Like I'm a little confused on when in a after a conversion the Holy uh, someone is Holy spirit filled because this seems to imply that it is sometime, um, that there is a, an event that needs to happen afterward, like after baptism and all that kind of stuff for the Holy spirit to indwell in people. Um, and I don't think that's true, but that's what it, that's what the verses 15 and 16. So this is
0: not actually a lot about Simon, the sorcerer per se. This is more these two verses or just kind of all of it, maybe together.
1: Uh, all of it together. I want that's just a point that I want you to specifically hit. Okay,
0: let, let me let me uh, let me let me let me let's work through the passage, um, and then and then we'll kind of I'll kind of unpack a few things. I'll get you guys feedback on your thoughts, your general thoughts on it, and then we'll get to that specific question that you brought up. I think that's a good strategy. You guys on board? Mm-hmm. We good? That's all good. right. So uh, you said verse nine. Uh, really, for some context, I know verse nine is where you kind of started, but. We should probably go back to verse 4 just to give a little bit of of lead in. Uh, In case you're not super familiar with Acts chapter 8, off the top of your head. Makes sense. um, I did hear, I was listening to a Bible study today that kind of summarized summarized the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts in a way I'd never heard summarized. It was a great Bible study. In fact, um, whoever's in charge of Get Fed Today will likely (laughs) drop that um, (laughs) in a future episode. But... Like the way that this guy, this pastor framed the first 10 chapters of Acts. So the church of Jerusalem, a lot of people might not know this. You know, like they actually met in a physical location. Mm -hmm. Um, They needed a place. Like when you go to Acts chapter two and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost and then Peter's sermon, and it was public. This is all happening um, in, in a place of the temple, not actually of the temple, like the God-prescribed, you know, uh, you know, building blueprints, but something that Herod had added on. It was called Solomon's portico. It was like a porch, basically. Um, and, and it was there that they had gathered uh, to pray. Um, as the Lord had prescribed on the day of resurrection, the Holy Spirit gets poured out. Like, the whole scene of Acts 2 occurs on Solomon's porch. And, and that's where the early church of Jerusalem met. And so this guy, he kind of, he kind of talked about that, this pastor. And, and, and Jesus had given a commission, right? Um, when he was ascending to heaven, he said, go to Jerusalem, wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, before saying that, he said, uh, the Great Commission. And so we're familiar with the Great, Great Commission. Take the gospel into all the world starting Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, um, baptizing people in the name of the father, son, Holy spirit, etc. So like, you know, again, the old Testament model of evangelism was everyone come to a physical location encounter God. The great commission is, is the inverse. It's I'm going to make you the temple since fill you with God's presence, send you into the world. And that's how it's going to work. Well, you, you get, you know, okay. So they go 10 days, they get, go to Jerusalem 10 days later, Pentecost happens. Um, Outpouring of the Holy Spirit, representation in Jerusalem. Um, what doesn't happen? <laughs> okay, the, the, Jerusalem, we're there. Check check that box. Judea, nope. Samaria, uh-uh. The ends of the earth, not happening. Um, like, they're happy. They're content. This is like they're in their zone, their mode. And so the, the 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 pseudo title of the Bible study, summarizing kind of the first 10 chapters, was Get Off the Porch. Um, and and the guy talked about growing up in Texas and, you know, at night you would, everybody would gather under the porch, you know, and they would have iced coffee and the old people would chew the fat. But when the kids were getting rally, you know, he would take a a broom and start smacking kids, get off the porch, get out there and play. I got a hundred acres, go run around and kind of like Jesus, like, Hey, they were all gathered on the porch. This is great. We're the church. And he's like, yeah, but you're in Jerusalem. I told you go to Jesus, Mary, the ends of the earth. You're not. You're not leaving the porch. So, so how in the first ten chapters did God s- force them out? It was persecution. It was persecution. And so, when you're when you're reading through the first ten chapters of the book of Acts, um, you know, you're kind of following that narrative, and then you get to this guy Saul of Tarsus who starts persecuting hard, and and a lot of the leadership starts dispersing. The deacons that you're introduced to in chapter seven start. Being forced out into where? Where God wanted them to go all the time. Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Well, you get to chapter 8. The first three verses summarize some of the persecution that's being instigated by Saul of Tarsus, who will later become known as Paul the Apostle after an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. But we're told, and this is important, verse 4, therefore, those who are scattered because of this persecution, Jerusalem, those scattered off the porch, went everywhere. Good, that's what they're supposed to do, preaching the word. Then Philip, again, somebody we've already been introduced to, not the apostle Philip, but in, in Acts 7 is one of the seven chosen to be deacons. Stephen's a, a, another notable character, the first martyr of the church. But Philip, one of these deacons, so he's forced out because of the persecution. He goes down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. Great. That's what God wanted you to do. And the multitudes were told, and this is amazing, with one accord. So they're unified. And not only that, but they're but they're they're green conscience. They're carpooling. They're in one accord. No. No. They're in you, you get it? Yeah. One but accord. Goodness. Justin, come on, Spice Daddy, <laughs> that was a good one. Come on, it was one. Oh, they were in one accord. They were green. They were carpooling. They heeded the things spoken by Philip. They 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 were hearing and seeing miracles, which he did. Unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. So that's that's a little bit of the backdrop of what's happening, Philip who's one of the seven. So there were issues going on in, the, in this church in Jerusalem. The church was exploding, at least 5,000. Um, God was doing an amazing thing. Uh, the apostles are the governing body. But the practical needs of the church had exceeded their ability to, to take care of them and, and still adhere to the things that they needed to do. Prayer for the saints, the teaching of God's word, etc., so they said, they told the people, pick out seven guys to, to, to help. These were the deacons. Stevens uh, Stevens won, Philip's one. Persecution arises. Some of these guys have to have to jet. Philip is one of them. He finds himself in Samaria. And God uses them in an amazing way. I, I should I should mention this. He's not an ordained pastor. He is just a servant. The guy has never been behind the pulpit. He's he's not been placed in the, he's not he's not even the youth pastor. Right? He is just a doer. He's help, he's, he's overseeing hospitality. Uh, he's overseeing the usher ministry. He's taking care of getting, making the garbage gets out after the service. The guy's just a doer, deacon, a designated doer. He's just a servant. And yet persecution, he goes out to Samaria, and God starts using him for evangelistic purposes. He starts teaching the people and preaching God's word. And there's this amazing revival in Samaria. Now, who are the Samaritans? The area of Samaria was part of what was known as the northern kingdom of Israel. And this goes all the way back to King uh, Saul, followed by David, followed by David's son Solomon, the golden period of 40 years, followed by Rehoboam, knucklehead, who decides to tax the people. There's a division of the kingdom. Two southern kingdoms are left to him. Their capital is Jerusalem, ten northern kingdoms, have Jeroboam now as their king. They revolt. They split. There's a legit civil war division. Ten northern kingdoms. Now, those northern kingdoms, part of them, the capital area, was Samaria. Now, what happens is that ten northern kingdoms get destroyed by Assyria, a growing empire. Many of them get dispersed. The area of Samaria gets, uh, gets transplanted by a bunch of pagans, Gentiles, heathens who then intermarry the Jews who are the remnant. So the Samaritans are kind of, by the time of Jesus, this crossbreed of Jews ethnically, Samaritans also Gentile, and they've kind of like blended together this pseudo-Judaism with paganism. It's it's a weird thing. The Jews hated the Samaritans, hated them. But Philip finds himself in Samaria, and they have a basic biblical understanding, a basic biblical knowledge It's twisted and warped, but Philip begins preaching Jesus and people get saved. And it's this amazing thing. There's healing and great joy. Now, again, I I didn't mean to get off topic to verse nine. And and again, I think that that, Creighton, you would admit that that that's a necessary lead. in Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you get to verse nine and we're told, but so there was great joy in that city. Verse eight, but (laughs) verse nine. There was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was so great, to whom they gave all heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries For a long time. So we get introduced here to this guy Simon. We don't know much about him. Don't know how he got into sorcery. We don't know his religious background, his upbringing, but he is involved in the occult. Again, the words that are used here within the original language present an unequivocal idea that he is involved in dark magic whether what he's doing is sleight of hand or actually based in real things. Again, we know scripturally that there are supernatural powers on the dark side. You go back to the Egyptian magicians, you know, uh, Moses threw down his his rod, it turned into a serpent. What did Pharaoh do? He turned to a sorcerer and said, throw down your rods." They turned into serpents. There is actual power in the dark. There is supernatural power. And and Satan and, and his demons. There is black magic in the dark arts. Now I'm not saying like that. That's David Blaine,
2: you know,
0: <laughs> or Chris Angel. You know, you watch some of those on you know late night television, and you're like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. Uh, that's that, a lot of it's all sleight of hand, and and there's explainable tricks, and it's fascinating. Again, very talented, but there are actual you know magics, magics. And it seems as though that this guy Simon, isn't just a magician, illusionist, you know, to quote uh, rest of development. It's not magic, it's illusions, Michael. But he's actually doing things that are real. To the point that he's developed a following in Samaria, he has influence, he has authority. Uh, he's supported like he is in, in regards to like Samaritan pop culture, political life, whatever. He's a, a player. I, you know, I think that's the idea being presented. He's a force. Now we continue and not, not just a force, but again, the, the way that the verse 10 ends, this man is the great power of God. Like there's a religious connotation to it all. You know, so it's not just like black magic, but he's actually claiming to be tapped into the divine, not the satanic, but the divine, the people of Samaria, are like this guy's got it together. He's the representation of God. Now, verse 12, but so we get another, but so we get this information, three verses about Simon, but transition when they believe Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women are baptized. So like, there's this real thing happening. Simon's got his influence. He's got his blueprint. Like he's got his footprint. He's the man. This is the, this is the power of God being did. And then Philip shows up again, not doing magic, preaching the gospel, but doing some real things in the power of, of Jesus. Again, going back, um, um, many who are possessed are being liberated paralyzed lame or healed like there's some supernatural stuff that philip's doing in addition to preaching god's word miracles accompanying the word to demonstrate the power of the word so philip shows up he's doing his thing people are getting saved it's the kingdom it's jesus then simon himself and this is crazy again holy spirit divine also believed believed what Again, within the context, there's no escaping what his belief was. Well, it was what Philip was preaching. And what was he what was he preaching? Well, again, the context the kingdom of God and Jesus. So Philip is preaching the gospel, and Simon, we're told, believed. Not just believed, he's baptized. So there's an outward demonstration of an inward transformation and in conviction. So it's not just that he was like verbally affirming something, he, he put feet to action. Again, within the context of this guy, that's kind of radical, isn't it? Really radical. So he he he's he believes, he's baptized, and then he continued to Philip. Which I, I don't know of a different way of just saying, but he's discipled. Not just by another believer but by the man himself, which means that Philip saw something in the man to do that, right? The guy's ministering to a whole town, but he's willing to mentor, disciple this guy, Simon. Again, you know, we're building to a a narrative here, but like, don't miss how this is lead again. So he continues with Philip and he's amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which are done. Now, if the story ended there, you'd be like, Man, I wonder what great things God did through Simon, right? Simon the sorcerer, Simon the convert, Simon the disciple, Simon the follower of Jesus. Again, if the story ended in verse 13, there's no negative about Simon at all, right? We can Mm -hmm. conclude that, fellas, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that's not the end of the story, however. Verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. (laughs) I kind of like that. You know, like these guys had been given the Great Commission as well, correct? (laughs) Persecution arises. Who doesn't go anywhere? (laughs) Apparently those guys. The apostles. It ends up being the designated doers, this the the deacons that, that are okay, God, we got it. We go out. So they hear... Wait, Philip? Philip? Philip, the table waiter? The guy who was like the third usher on duty every Sunday that was assigned to the balcony to watch the youth kids? That that Philip? Yeah, we knew he we went just... But what's going on? Like, like, they're amazed. Like, they hear about it. They're blown away. And so they're like, Peter and John. Go check it out. Now, this is not like... The bottom of the barrel apostles, like this is the upper echelon, you know, heavy hitters. The heavy hitters, Peter and John are Batman and Robin. I mean, they're they're uh, Andy Griffith and Barney Fife. They're the dynamic duo here. You know what I mean? Yep. Peter and John. I mean, how many times already in the Book of Acts we see Peter and John being used instrumentally, and so they get sent. Now, you're Philip. You're, you're like a nobody. And then Peter and John show up to see what's going on. Verse 15, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, for as yet, they had he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, had not yet fallen upon any of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And, that, and that's the, the crux of your question, so we'll get back to that. Let's continue, though. They laid hands on them. So Peter and John laid hands on them, and they all received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Now, you got to take a moment and at least address kind of the elephant in the room. How did Simon know the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Samaritans through the laying on of hands of Peter and John.
3: Uh, that's that's a question. You guys have an answer? Yeah, no, I have no idea. I reading through that the first time, I'm like, Well, how did he know that by that action that's what was going on? So, like, was so, it a physical thing he could see? Was so, it just the air? Like what was it? <laughs> but
0: so but but let's be real. So, like at this point, our only examples of this the outpouring of the Holy Spirit manifests some type of outward action. You see that in Acts chapter two. And, and, and again, that ends up being the gift of tongues, mm-hmm. which is not consistent all the way through Scripture. Um, you'll see that happen with the house of Cornelius in Acts 10, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But there was something phys- there was a physical effect. To the point that Simon, who's like grown up doing magic, whether it's sleight of hand or real stuff, he's seeing this and he's like, "Whoa, dang! What is that?" Right? Like, so he's seeing this. He's had this conversion. He's been mentored. He, he's 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 his life is being transformed. Peter and John come down. There's this thing that happens. The Holy Spirit's poured out. And he's like darn like that what in the world is that and so he kind of in this moment like reverts back like like i oh man i want to do that so he sees it he offered them money so the the, the way it's it's frying, whatever happens happens and then simon comes to peter and john's like hey guys that was pretty pretty rad how did you do it you know what i know how this works I too was good at sleight of hand. Maybe there's an assumption that this was sleight of hand or that it was an emotional experience that they were able to conjure up, or maybe they were able to pull in supernatural power in such a way. It was real. Whatever the motivation was. Again, we're not told, but Simon's like, I can procure this through money. And again, I don't bang on him hard because that, that's, that's often how tricks work. I mean, again, magic, magicians will often buy, sell tricks, et cetera. That's not crazy. Again, it's wrong. We'll see this. But you understand, you know, from a very elementary standpoint, how he might say, hey, I, what do you want? Like, I want to learn how to do that. You know, what's the price? Well, Simon saw through the laying on the hands, he offered the money. He said, "Give me this power, also, that that anyone on whom I may lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit." You know, I've never really thought about this until that moment. Um, I, I'm not trying to defend Simon, but is that it? okay? Again, let me let me read this again, and just tell me if his motivation is wrong, okay, for a moment. Give me this power also that anyone on whom I may lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. We can affirm and agree that the Holy Spirit's a good thing, right? mm mm-hmm. um, Being the instrument by which the Holy Spirit might change a life, that's also not a bad thing. I mean, is that a wrong motivation?
2: I mean, I think you have to consider his perception, though. I, I, do, because- I do, I do. His background, where he's coming from—if we say he was a sorcerer and whatnot—and he's experienced having real power before, and now he's converting to something where he's seeing these other big dogs of this new god has got a bunch of power. Kind of revert back to his old ways of, you know, well, how do I purchase? How do I purchase that power? You know, being able to see these people who, you know, they laid hands on him, and maybe they did start speaking in tongues. Well, I want to be able to give people speak or in the tongues. Or
0: there were other gifts, prophecies. I yeah. mean, there could have been. Who knows? Again, we're not told. We're not actually given the description of what it was.
2: That might just be his history, how he did things.
0: Or the manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in that moment weren't like the more sensational ones. Maybe everyone just got real,
3: real encouraging. Well, he was in the dark <laughs> you know? magic too, so he could have had a more spiritual sensitivity to what's going on. That's that true. That have been
2: how he saw it too. Yeah. That's what I thought.
0: Everybody starts getting really encouraging, serving one <laughs> another. And he's like,
4: what happened? <laughs> They're all, they're all loving each other. Another option, he wanted that credit for doing that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I think all of this is true, for sure. I, 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 don't, I don't discount any of that. Let's continue, because this all happens. <laughs> Peter. You know, Peter. <laughs> Let me just read. It. So Peter says to him, your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness. And pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Lays the hammer. Down. Oh my God I like how he
3: does. Yeah. It doesn't sugarcoat anything. Just comes in straight with it. And not,
0: not only that. I want, I want to make a point. I think this is important. As I think we've worked through it. Before Peter speaks. That we're not there. We're only getting the record from how it's presented in scripture. But as you're working through it. Before Peter says something. Like there might be a way. That you could sympathize with Simon. we I mean, could argue that he had good intentions. I mean, could, could we even say that after giving our life to Jesus, we might get faced with something in our life that might tempt us to revert to some tendency in our life before Christ? I think we could all say we're guilty of that. Mm-hmm. That's not outlandish, right? And you could say maybe at this point, like... There, you know, there's a little bit of grace, a little bit of mercy, like a sympathy anyway for Simon. He's wrong. He's misguided. He's got it. He's got it off un, no doubt, but we can, we can understand it. But Peter, Peter just drops the boom. Like, like we're talking, he shivs the guy in the neck. Not the ear.
2: He would have missed. Not the, yeah. <laughs> he would have missed the <laughs> ear.
0: No, Peter lands it for once. Again, you know, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of discernment, right? Like, we don't debate or, or question what Peter is saying. he's the guy in the room. But how does he reach this conclusion? As hard as he does, when all of us have already admitted that we might have maybe reached a little bit of a softer conclusion, right? I think the only explanation... It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's discernment. Peter was able to look beyond the things that we might have given grace for and be like, no, 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 no. There's bitterness in your heart. You want this for the wrong reason. Like, the only way you can do that is through the gift of discernment. Again, a a, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's affirmed by the Holy Spirit because it's recorded in Scripture. So we know Peter's right on. And we're told, again, I see you're poisoned by bitterness, bound by iniquity. Verse 24, then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified, preached the, the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in the villages of the Samaritans. <laughs> That's the end of the story. What happens to Simon. You have any idea?
2: I don't know. Nope.
0: It doesn't tell us. Now now you would you would reckon it probably doesn't end very well because there's a sense that he's that he understands what Peter just said is right. He gets called out, he accepts it. Is there repentance evident? N- not in his statement, I don't think. Nor is there the revelation of a personal relationship with Jesus, because what does he say? Like, there's an affirmation, I'm wrong. Man, this was bad. I screwed up. But but what's the, can you guys pray that there's not an appeal to the Lord? Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in all likelihood, Simon is left in a very poor place. What happens to Simon, I don't know. I, I hope we get to meet him. I hope. It landed. I hope a brother came along. It won't be Philip. He gets moved on. Read the rest of the chapter. Simon, the source. So, what what is God trying to trying to articulate by including this story? Before we get to your question, which I think is kind of different than the story of Simon. Yeah, it was just it's just a part all, of it. It's part of it. So we'll get to your question. Okay. But wrapping up, Simon, what do what do you guys think? What is God trying to articulate? Like, what big lesson? Should we take away from, from the story of Simon the Sorcerer? Don't do sorcery. <laughs> Don't do sorcery. Okay, that's the first one. But what else? It's not an accident. It's it's included.
4: I kind of get the almost, uh, uh, what do they call it? Prosperity gospel flavors coming off of Simon. Hmm. Like he he was going into this. As a source of, he saw the power, and he knew his power wasn't as good as this power, so he wanted that better power,
2: um, or even just another. That's kind of what yeah. I was picking up on too. Like he's got, he's got real power. Let me get a little bit more. There's some dude who's right. got some power. I'm gonna go get and, some. And of it that. sounds
4: like he he actually believed the stuff, but at the same time, he was still holding on to that selfishness, which is what prosperity gospel stuff. Could,
3: yeah, the biggest thing is probably just the positioning of your heart. It says, repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me say
0: a statement and get your reaction to it, you guys. And this includes you, Craig. Because you guys kind of spawned a, a thought. And, and again, this, this is related to the prosperity gospel angle, but I think maybe even take it a step even deeper. That could we say that Simon's big problem was that he he saw G like it was it was what can I get out
2: of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now that that has a lot of ramifications because before we bag on Simon, I mean, lots of people say like.
1: As far as getting something out of Jesus, there are a lot of lot of people out there who preach God as a method of self help or like, especially with health and wealth, where it's financial freedom and, For, and forget, forget about forget about all that. that crap. Not, but not, I not, definitely see what you mean as people looking at Jesus as a means to fixing themselves in a way that Jesus doesn't actually describe. Let's talk, yeah, let's as talk, talk the about Bible the layman, right? The
0: layman, mm-hmm. the normal Christian coming to like what can I get out of Jesus that that there's a danger there I, I if if we're looking at Simon the sorcerer what can I get out of Jesus lot I mean a lot of people are we guilty of that
2: oh yeah Let's unpack that. What, do,
0: what? I mean, again, I make a statement
2: like that. It's it's like think of a real world, real world example. Um, guy, broken marriage, starting to fall apart, starts thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to start going back to church. I need, I need some Jesus to fix my marriage. When in reality, it should be the thought process of like, you know, um, like I need Jesus so that way I can be good in my marriage. Like it, it does that make sense? The yes. Other- okay.
0: Okay. Which leads to like, is it wrong to want something from Jesus?
2: No, but no, it's- no,
0: but but it's what what do we want from Jesus? That's what matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you yeah. see that
4: a lot in like movies and stuff. Like God, if you only if you'll do this this one time, I'll I'll never do this again, or I'll serve you for the rest. You mm-hmm. hear that a lot, and, and I think that's that's coming from a standpoint of pride, thinking that you have something other than. Everything. Well, that you can do. Something that for you Jesus can do something for Jesus that He doesn't already own and, yeah. and, and possess and and can create <laughs> for all intents and purposes.
0: What are you thinking, D? I'm
3: not really sure.
0: You know, in our, in our own lives, the question isn't, "What can I get from Jesus?" It's, "What do I get from Jesus?" Simon.
1: Can you say that again, but slower? Because you said it really fast and it sounded
0: like the same sentence. I'll try. Maybe it was the same sentence. (laughs) (laughs) The question isn't, what do I get from Jesus? The question is, what do I get from Jesus? Okay. Yeah, it was the same same thing. All right, cool, cool, cool. Just checking. (laughs) It's not wrong to get something from Jesus. It's wrong to come to Jesus for the wrong, to get the wrong thing. It's wrong to come to Jesus to get something. Not necessarily. Again, I salvation. Oh yeah. I can't earn my salvation. I can't do anything to merit it, to deserve it, to warrant it. It has to be given. I come to Jesus to get something. I come to the cross to get forgiveness, to get restoration,
3: to get reconciliation. Well, then Yeah, it's just all intentions the but it's in the position of your
0: heart. Again, this is like, it's not what you come to Jesus to get. It's what do you come to Jesus to get? (laughs) Coming to Jesus to get something in and of itself isn't the wrong thing. But if you come to Jesus to get the wrong thing, it's the wrong thing.
2: Mm. What is the get that you're getting? Yeah, what's the example of the wrong thing?
0: But Simon presents us an example. Initially, he came to Jesus to get the right thing. He He heard what Philip was preaching. He's like, yeah, I want that. But then he saw something else, and, he's, and he came for that. But that wasn't the right thing. And he was told to repent. We come, you yeah, know. there's that saying, major on the major, minor on the minors. It's cliche. But sometimes it's like, um, okay, so I was listening to Derek. Derek actually sent me this Bible study to listen to. We were talking about it this past weekend. So I was listening to this Bible study, not a big fan of the guy, but was was approaching with an open heart. And he, and he made this, he, he had a section of his study that really resonated and hit me. And, and he was challenging the audience, like, what do you pray for? Or what do you pray for? Like, if you have, if you have a wayward daughter that's, that's out partying and being promiscuous, do you pray, Lord... Can you please stop her from being promiscuous? Can you can you please please bring the right friends into her life? Can you can you are are you, are you are you presenting God's solutions to the problem? Or is your prayer and it would be more correct, Lord, if you don't if you don't grip my daughter's heart and fill her with your holy spirit to radically change who she is, there's no solution. You see the difference? Mm-hmm. Like so yeah. often, like, 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 like we, our prayers are oriented to solutions that aren't actually solutions to the real problem. When the problem is a fundamental issue with that person and Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit fills a person, they, they can be liberated from their pornography addiction or their alcohol addiction. Or their pot addiction, you can pray, Lord, liberate them from their pot addiction, or you can pray, Lord, fill them with the Holy Spirit, knowing that if that happened, <laughs> their addictions go away. And again, I, you see what I'm saying? Like you see how I'm trying to like correlate this a little bit with Simon? You it's like even, he came he came for one thing that was right, but then he he ended up now coming back for the wrong thing, and he get he got rebuked for it.
2: I don't know that he came for the right thing, though in verse thirteen it well
0: no so, I'm talking when it, uh, when I say he came for the right thing, I'm talking about like when he responded to Philip originally,
2: yeah, and I think well, I think like the early though,
0: verse, where he's now being mentored by Philip, and, and it says been that baptized. He, believed. he believed he
2: was baptized, but then it specifies that it was because he was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. I think it's I think even at the beginning, Simon was there for the
0: maybe. Maybe that's totally debatable
2: Yeah, because again,
0: again, there were signs and wonders that accompanied we're already told. Mm. Philip came preaching and doing signs and wonders. And that mm. is
1: the point of signs and wonders to, is to get people's
0: attention. And, well, not just to give, get people's attention, but to validate that there's power behind what they're saying. Right. That's why you see, that's why you saw miracles accompanying Jesus's ministry. That's why you see a lot of miracles accompanying, um, you know, people say, well, why don't we see miracles today? Well, you know what? There are miracles that have accompanied my ministry. I could point to one of them across across the room. Mm-hmm. His name's Kyle Parkin. The transformation of his life through the preaching of God's word is as is as radical a miracle as someone regrowing a hand. It's the truth. Yeah. We just we just circumvent like what is a miracle? A transformed life is is more of a miracle. Then you grow them back an ear.
4: I remember in grad school, um, I got pointed out. We're we're doing a class, and I forget which class it was, but a uh, question came up. It was like, who's the most religious person here? I think we were talking about some of the the, the different uh, miracles in the Bible, and they were trying to explain them away, saying they couldn't have happened, like the Red Sea crossing and stuff right, like that. Right, right. And uh, the professor goes, who's the most religious person here? And, some reason they all pointed at me (laughs) and i was like i i don't really consider myself religious but you know you got a southern accent and you're you're a christian they automatically assume that you're a bible (laughs) thumper bible thumper uh anyway and uh they say they started asking questions like listen when you of course when you take god out of it then yeah there is no scientific explanation for stuff and and that's the whole point of miracles is it's something outside of what could naturally be done. Uh, for example, guy sitting over here at the mic should have died, shouldn't have lived. He did, right? I mean, that simple stuff like that. How many of the doctors said you should you shouldn't have lived? Uh, all of them. All of them. And, and most
0: of them said even when I woke up, I'd never talk again.
4: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, just, just simple stuff like that—miracle—and and yeah. there, there's no natural explanation for it. And, and, and of course, when you see that, you want that, you know. I, 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 I see you see suffering and and pain and and diseases, and you want those to be healed in your family and your friends. And of course, you're gonna you're gonna run to that. You're not gonna run away from it. And that, that's why you get a lot of. Shenanigans and and stuff from these 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 churches like Benny Hinn who goes around slapping his jacket at people and then falling over and stuff.
2: I mean it, it, it's people want to be there for like if there's actually things happening like power like that they want to be there they right. want to be present they want to say I was there when I saw it or you know maybe I want a little bit of that right and and you believe
4: yeah
0: let me throw out another thought just again get you guys could you could you also say maybe and Creighton we'll get to
1: yeah, oh, it's going right to be. It's going to need to be another episode. No, we'll it's get fine.
0: there. We'll get there because it's a very easy answer. <laughs> I agree. That's a very easy answer. Okay, that 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 I'm not worried about. I can do that in a minute. Could you also say that maybe Simon's fault was that he was pursuing the experiential yeah. over reality? I've got a the sense, or, or even even better way the sensational. And, and I see that in a, as a problem of criticism, a warning, even, even amongst modern Christianity that like, I think so often we're approaching Christ for the experience as opposed to the, the like the essence of the substance of the reality of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like Simon was looking at the relationship for the experience he would get from it as opposed to just the relationship being enough i think there's a warning there right yeah
1: yeah absolutely i've actually got a comment from uh colette that falls right in line with that yeah go for it she says uh simon and we must surrender all our motives comma hearts to god for his will it's about pleasing him not being pleased he is our delight i I think think that is exactly i think
0: she nailed it i think she nailed it so let's get to your question with the couple minutes we got left yes so going back to um uh, they sent Peter and John, verse 15. They came 15 down, and 16. prayed yeah. for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, the Holy Spirit, he, had not fallen on them. they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I don't want to overly... overly Simplify what is controversial. I mean, there, there is some controversy to these particular verses. <clears throat> They've been debated, you know, like I, I don't want to dismiss the complex nature of them. But I do think we can't take one story and develop doctrine. We've got to place one story within the greater context of, of kind of what we know. And, and in, in light of the, the, the essence of what this is, it's is what do we know about the Holy Spirit and His relationship with humanity? And when you're talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's relationship with mankind, um, there are always one of three different Greek verbs used to describe the relationship that the Holy Spirit has with humanity. Um, there is the most basic concept that the Holy Spirit is with us. Um, that he's with us. That he's around us.
3: Um,
0: that the Holy Spirit is, is interacting with all of hu- mankind. And, and for what purpose? Well, the Bible would teach that the Holy Spirit is there to convict the world of sin and to bring all man to the cross. Now, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is forcing anyone to make a decision of anything at all. But that there is this work of the Holy Spirit within the world convicting people of sin with the intention of bringing them to Jesus. Now, whether they respond to that or not, that's an entirely different topic. But the Holy Spirit has an interaction, according to the Scriptures, with every single person. That's why I believe that you can read a passage that God wills for all men to come into a saving faith. Well, His will is compounded by His action. Because the Holy Spirit is in the world convicting of sin... With the intention of bringing them to Jesus. Now, again, that doesn't mean everyone gets saved, but the Holy Spirit is actively involved. I think in every single person, regardless of language, color, creed, ethnicity, wherever, geography, whatever, Holy Spirit's active in everyone's life, convicting of sin to bring to Jesus. But then there's a second uh, word that we find, Greek word related to the Holy Spirit, that speaks of an indwelling. So the Holy Spirit is, is with us, convicting of sin, bringing us to Christ. Upon our acceptance of what Jesus has done on the cross, there is a point of what we would call conversion. We call it rebirth. We call it regeneration. It's when the old things pass away, all things become new. It is when the, the, the old man in Adam is now becoming alive in Christ Jesus. It is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for salvation. Uh, We see this practically uh, following Jesus' crucifixion, following his resurrection. He appears to the disciples. I think it's John 21, where we're told that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And it's in that moment there was a transformation, a conversion. What was dead became alive because they were indwelled with the Holy Spirit, meaning that when God saw them, he no longer saw them. He saw the Holy Spirit. The dead spirit in them given by Adam was now alive, given by Christ through the spirit indwelling. So we have the Holy Spirit around us, convicting of sin, leading us to Christ. Upon conversion, we then have the Holy Spirit entering us. The heart of stone is removed to a heart of flesh. Christ is put in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're saved now. That happened in John 21. But then we see in a promise in Acts 1, I think, verse 8. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to what? Indwell you, be with you, come upon you. It's a totally different Greek word. It spoke of a third interaction with the Holy Spirit, one after conversion. And it's it, the best way to, to frame it is it's an overflowing. Go to Jerusalem, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to fill you and then begin to spill out of you to impact those around you. Beyond, beyond what we would call maybe the evangelistic element of the Holy Spirit, beyond the conversion, redemptive element of the Holy Spirit, now we're in talking the the, the evangelistic, which is why this then gets described as gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because it manifests as, as the Holy Spirit comes upon you, begins to flow out of you, it manifests in different ways. Some for tongues, some for prophecy, some for encouragements, some for service. Paul writes about this at great length. So, so what's happening here? Again, it seems as though um, the Holy Spirit's been with them because when, Pete, when Philip begins preaching, there's a response to some conviction that exists. That brings us to that point. And then in that moment, they believed. In the moment of belief, believe and you'll be saved. We're told that in Scripture. So there's a conversion that occurs. But what's happening? The, Peter and John show up and they're like, okay, you guys have been saved, but you've not been empowered. You're lacking something and they recognize it because it's the very thing that they were lacking for about 10 days, maybe longer. So that you guys are converted, but you're not empowered. All the tools are there. Now we need the energizer bunny. And so they lay hands and pray for what the outpouring of the Holy spirit to come upon them. And that, Again, there's some controversy about the passage, not discounting that, but within the totality of what we know about the Holy Spirit and how he interacts with humanity, the, I think the easiest explanation of what's occurring is that Peter and John come and they're like, hey, you guys are saved, but man, you're not on fire. <laughs> I, I think we can experience that not just personally, but just even culturally. Like you can go into a church, like well, these people are saved, but there's no activity, there's no energy, there's no power. Again, it's a dunamis, it's a dynamite. Come upon you for power is what we're told in Acts 1 verse 8. For power. Not for conversion, but for power. For power for what? To fulfill the commission. Not salvation, this is something else. You know, God could have saved us and taken us all to heaven immediately, but he left us here for a reason. And he's like, amazing. Jesus can die for you, you accept that, he can save you, and you're not complete something else needs to still happen. He needs to empower you through his Holy Spirit, not just to save you by his Holy Spirit, but to energize you, to give you a dynamite, a dynamos. And it seems as though, again, within context, that that's what's occurring here, that these people had, had accepted Jesus, been filled with the Spirit, but Peter and John are like, hey, you guys are missing some power, some dynamite, some dynamic." And so they pray for an outpouring, this this third role, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you know, that doesn't there are there are I think it's cessationalists. There's a move within Christianity, typically within Baptists, within Reformed uh, circles that say that outpouring of the Holy Spirit was a one one time thing. Um, that it was reserved for, for the apostolic church, this first wave of Christianity. Um I would say that the problem with that is you see the same group of people on multiple occasions throughout the Book of Acts having the Holy Spirit come upon them. It wasn't a one-time thing. It was repeated. It was often. It was it was necessary. And so I would say, like even for the believer, like if you feel like you're just running on fumes, I I've, I'm, I know I'm bought in blood by the by the blood of Christ. I'm I'm good there. But man, I just feel wore out. I feel I just don't have any energy. Well, then you get on your knees and say, Lord, pour out your spirit upon me. Give me that power. This third role that's constant, that, that happens often, that, that's continual. And when you, and when you feel like you're out of it, you come back and you get more of it. You see, so that's that, that kind of answer your question. Perfectly. I, I told you, a, it wouldn't take me long. No. It wasn't one was great. minute. It took me longer than one minute, but close enough. It's close enough. So, Hey, good passage, man. Yeah, it was a good episode. Simon the Sorcerer's an interesting cat. I, I I think there's a lot we can think about. You guys have any
3: closing thoughts?
2: No, I'm good. You nailed it.
3: It's cool to think about that. The same spirit that was poured out then is the same spirit that we can abide in daily now. Today, yeah, some two thousand years later, it's awesome.
0: That's rad. I, I, that resonated with me. What about you, uh, Spice Daddy?
4: There's nothing left to say. Nothing left to say. (laughs) Creighton, party words. I'm good. I thought it was great.
0: All right. All right. Well, with all that being said, I guess we're, we're bouncing out. Uh, thank you so much for watching the outlaw radio show. If you're watching, check out the podcast Thursday, Friday, gets dropped. Apple, Google, Spotify. If you're listening on the podcast, check out the live stream available on Wednesday nights at eight o'clock, 8 PM, Eastern standard time, Wednesday nights. Uh, we live stream the recording of the podcast. Also just a shameless plug. If you're looking for solid Bible teaching, Monday through Friday, a very cool podcast. It's called Get Fed Today. Um, Five new studies drop every Monday morning. Uh, Five studies helps you study God's Word on your own. Dive into God's Word. Again, to Get Fed Today, getfedtoday.com gives you the links. Again, Apple, Google, Spotify, easy to find. Uh, Once again, thank you so much for joining me. My name is Zach. I hope you join me this time next week. God bless.